The Premier League title race might be on its last legs, but the scrap for Champions League football is shaping up to be fascinating and the fight for survival is no less enthralling, even if the teams involved can be a mind-numbing watch. I'm Kevin Hatchard and this is Football Only Better. It's certainly not mind-numbing listening to my regular wingman Mark O'Hare as he outlines where the value is each week. Uh, Mark, let's start with that top four race, shall we? Because after Wednesday's extraordinary comeback for Tottenham at Leicester, a game that saw Stephen Bergfein score in the 95th and 97th minutes to give Spurs a 3-2 win, and indeed Manchester United's 3-1 win at Brentford. The situation is this. West Ham 4, 37 points from 22 games. Tottenham 5th, 36 points from 19 games. Arsenal 6th, 35 points from 20 games. Manchester United also on 35 points from 21 games. And then you got Wolves on 31 points, Brighton on 29. So Mark, where do we see this going and how should betters play it? Yeah, it's fascinating. It's changing every week. Um, I do think though, um, I might be... Might be going a little bit too far, but I think if we're discussing the top four, it comes a time and a place where I think we have to start considering Chelsea, uh, whether they're actually a lock or if they are actually vulnerable now in the top four, because they've only won four Premier League games since October and only two clean sheets in that spell. There does seem to be a few cracks appearing in the in the club. Thomas Tuchel seems to be getting increasingly frustrated uh, with more than just his players, but also the schedule as well. And if you look at the table, they're only eight points clear of Spurs and Spurs have four games in hand on them. So suddenly the, the top three doesn't seem quite so solid and Spurs do seem to be the sort of in pole position to at least break into that top four. Um, I think you always want points on the board. That's that's my sort of my theory regardless. So Chelsea should in theory still see, still get there. But um, yeah, certainly the way in which they're playing at the moment doesn't suggest that they are that, that lock that we probably thought they were back at the start of December when they were top of the table. So um, and this weekend, you know, very, very interesting weekend. We've got Chelsea playing Spurs as well. So, you know, in theory that that, that lead could be eaten into it again. Um, but yeah, I mean, West Ham as well playing at Manchester United and, and Arsenal, probably the ones who could benefit this weekend playing at home to Burnley. Burnley, a Burnley team without Chris Wood, Corne or Barnes and haven't played, well, it doesn't seem like they've played Premier League football at all this year. So, um, yeah, I mean, I've said a few times that I think Arsenal have in fact been the best team if you exclude the big three um, across in terms of results, performance data, expected goals, etc. Arsenal come out as the strongest team outside of the top three. They've arguably got the softest schedule as well between now and the end of the season, having already been to City, Chelsea, Liverpool. Spurs still have to play all three venues as well as Manchester United I know Old Trafford isn't the same fortress it once was, but um, I still do favour Tottenham. Uh, I know Stinch outlined them as the top four value quite a long time ago now, just after Antonio Conte was appointed. And I still think that is the case, even if the price isn't necessarily backable, a 2.8 on the exchange to finish in the top four, um, because they've got those games in hand. They're above Arsenal already with the game in hand. They still have to play the North London derby at home, which is also a big bonus, really. Um, 
So, yeah, I think uh, they do seem to be heading in the right direction. I'm still not being totally convinced uh, by their progress. I think Antonio Conte has been a little bit frustrated as well. You probably expect them to be probably a little bit further on the line than they actually have been. And I think there's also a bit of frustration there that reinforcements haven't yet arrived. He probably was promised uh, when he uh, was appointed. So um, I think the manner of which Wednesday night's win came around will also be a, a massive bonus as well. Uh, really impressed by the character and belief of those players after they got that equaliser deep into stoppage time to actually go chasing the ball and believe that there was an opportunity today and go and win the match. Uh, you know, it's a sea change in attitude compared to what we saw under Nuno, for example. So, yeah, I think Spurs are still probably the bet. Um, but after that, Arsenal, I think West Ham will fall away. Uh, they've obviously played too many more games than, than many of the others, and they have European commitments to deal with Arsenal and Spurs without that. So that's a big bonus for them. And United at the minute, um, even despite being Brentford, uh, David De Gea man of the match yet again, uh, considering that first half performance was. An abomination. So uh, it's very difficult to be too positive about them. I, I thought they'd be much, much improved after Ralph Rangnick's appointment, but uh, seemingly not the case. Yeah, the Brentford boss Thomas Frank said that Brentford absolutely destroyed United in that first half. Must have been very frustrated that they didn't take the lead. He's already been name-checked once. Odds compiler and betting expert Mark Stinchcom is with us once again. Stinch, as Mark said, you tipped up Spurs as a, as a runner in the top four race quite some time ago now. And they do seem to have that continuity. They're very hard to beat under Antonio Conte. Yeah, I mentioned Spurs at seven to one. I think uh, as soon as Conte took over, his first game was Everton away when they when they drew nil nil, and Spurs now into six to four. So very happy with with that progress. Very happy to let that bet continue to run. I think we're in a, a very positive situation. They're now this kind of favourites. If you if you um, remove the top three for that top four, so Arsenal fifteen to eight, United finally aren't the the favourites. Now they're out to twenty one to ten despite that win against Brentford. Then you've got West Ham at almost nine to one. I think Mark covered them all quite well. One thing I would mention is the fact that Tottenham and Arsenal don't have European football. I think that could help them massively, especially the fact that I think Tottenham, you know, if they lo- if Harry Kane was to get injured as he has a few times towards the end of the season. Um, if they've you know if already got themselves in a solid position, they might not need might not have to rely on him so much. Man United obviously in the Champions League, and it looks like credit to West Ham looks like they're going to give the Europa League a good go. So I kind of do feel it's between Tottenham and Arsenal. I really do think that. This Man United team it continues to be a, a work in progress. Still very under under impressed by them. Um, you know Ronaldo getting subbed and then throwing his toys out the pram. I don't necessarily see it as a bad thing because I think, you know, it's nice to see that a player wants to stay on the pitch, but I do still feel as though there may be one too many egos at United and um, ran- maybe undermining Ranić's authority. So, yeah. And Ronaldo's about- usually so selfless. He hates drama. <laughs> Absolutely hates it. <laughs> I mean, um, I thought it was very interesting against uh, Villa that, um, you know, 2-0 up commanding position and Fred was like one of the highest players on the pitch when Villa had the ball on sort of the halfway line for one of the goals and, you know, if, if Ronaldo isn't going to press or or one of the other or some of the other players aren't going to press, then that is going to make the team disjointed and is going to create gaps where there shouldn't really be gaps. A team, a team with, you know, the 
ambitions like United shouldn't be collapsing from from two 0 up in a, in a in that in that commanding position that they found themselves in. So yeah, I think it's probably between Tottenham and Arsenal. I know Mark mentioned quite a few times about Arsenal's um, decent underlying numbers, but I just I just can't I just can't have Arteta and and a lot of those players. I mean, I think. You know the the problem with Aubameyang isn't all of a sudden going to go away, and I don't think Lacazette. I think he's, I think his age is catching up with him a little bit. I don't think he's the reliable goal scorer he once was. So yeah, if you're kind of going to make it like head to head, Conte v Arteta, very happy to continue to side with Conte. After an extended break, giving the XG robots their winter break, the data doctor is back. Jake Oscarthorpe from InfoGoal is with us. He's been nailing winners left, right and centre this season. Jake, two of the teams involved face each other this weekend as West Ham go to Manchester United and United, uh, Manchester United, not convincing at the moment by any stretch of the imagination. Not at all, no. And you mentioned uh, Thomas Frank's comments there after the game midweek and he was absolutely right. I mean, Brentford generated 2.87 expected goals in that game. And I think it was Mark who said that, that David De Gea was man of the match. Understandably so. He was in fine form and he has been for a while. Um, and that poor defensive display followed up really disappointing one at Aston Villa as well, where they conceded 1.7 expected goals against. Deservedly drew the game from a, a commanding position. Um, that defensive weakness is a huge concern for me heading into this game. Uh, coupled with the fact that their attacking process has been really hit and miss. They've looked good on certain occasions uh, and looked really, really bad and just bereft of ideas on others. The home game against Wolves springs to mind a few weeks back. Um, and also, when you consider the fact that their schedule that they've played under Ralph Rangnick has been really kind. They couldn't have asked for a much better run of fixtures. And to see the sort of inconsistent and poor performances we have seen from Man United is a real cause for concern. And, you know, while West Ham were beaten by Leeds last weekend they were really unfortunate to lose the game it was a fantastic game of football end-to-end chances galore uh, a draw probably would have been a fair result based on the uh, chances in the game um, and the Hammers had, you know they went through a spell this season or mid-season where they created uh, very little compared to what we used to see and they've come out of that now uh, and they're actually racking up chances at a rate higher than what we saw at the start of the season. So over the last four league games, they're averaging 2.66 expected goals for per game, racked up 2.7 at Leeds. And if they continue in a similar manner, I fully expect them to score at least a couple at Old Trafford against what has been a very porous Manchester United defence. So for a bet in this game, there's two angles that I'm sort of umming and ahhing which way to go. The first one is just to lay Manchester United at the price. I don't think they should be odds on. Um, around 1.98 you can lay them on the exchange uh, in my opinion I think West Ham are a better team than Manchester United currently also factoring that Manchester United have had less rest coming into this game they played on Wednesday West Ham haven't played since last weekend um, and I'm more than happy to take them on at that price I think that as I said West Ham for me are the better of the two teams are the better uh, well-oiled machine David Moyes knows exactly what he's getting and they are just so much more consistent um, the other is to back West Ham to score over one and a half goals at seven to four which again appeals West Ham as I've said have really found the scoring boots I think they've scored two or more in all the last five Premier League matches uh, and Manchester United are keep you know conceding quite a few goals and chances um, so they're my two angles for that very anti-Manchester United this weekend 
Now, we know it's frustrating when you get frozen out of a bet, so Betfair's now offering no cash-out suspensions on match odds over, under, and goal markets on the sportsbook, even during VAR reviews or when there's a penalty. The race for survival is no less intriguing. There's a massive game on Saturday between Leeds and Newcastle. Mark, I'll come to you first. Newcastle's whole performance against Watford was baffling to me because they got the goal and then just retreated and just waited for something to happen, hoping they could sneak through to full time and win what was a very, very important game. And it seems to be that complete lack of confidence isn't shifting anytime soon. No, I think you're, you're bang on there. It's, it's quite alarming, really. And it's it's interesting that fans are now starting to fear the worst. You know, the sort of optimism that kind of came with the takeover, the appointment of Eddie Howe and some of these new signings are starting to dissipate, really, because the performances haven't matched uh, probably their expectations. Uh, there was pretty much one-way traffic in that first half. They got the goal, brilliant goal. But taking the foot off Watford's throat in that manner is, is just you know, unforgivable, really, particularly when you've only won one Premier League game all season uh, in such a big game as well. And I've seen similar sort of hallmarks in their performances as well when they played Burnley and Norwich in recent matches too, and they've been expected to get results and have performed in patches, but just haven't done enough to, to really sort of convince and actually take top honours convincingly. So, yeah, I like Leeds in this match. I think the market slightly undervalued them, uh, probably due to the number of players missing through injury. I thought they were terrific when they hosted Burnley uh, not so long ago at Ellen Road uh, fully deserved their win at West Ham I thought last weekend apart from the, the set piece defending which is always a bit of a concern but I think considering the circumstances being down to the bare bones and, and having kids on the bench really then to lose two senior players in the first half to injury and to barely notice a difference really when those youngsters came into the side just slotted in I think it's just testament to Marcelo Bielsa's work there uh, they continue to progress um you know, you consider that uh, the bulk of that squad is is probably Championship standard individually, but uh, under Bielsa's charge, you know, they collectively come together and, and, and perform beyond expectations, and that's a uh, you know complete contrast to what Newcastle. We've said numerous times that they've arguably got a Championship standard squad, bar a few exceptions, but you don't see that sort of togetherness and that approach that Leeds have. Uh, I think the team news is positive as well. Uh, Bielsa's normally very revealing at his press conferences. We haven't heard it just yet, but uh, that's something to look out for. But so far, the news suggests that Forshaw should be okay despite last weekend Bamford should be back available Diego Lorente is a, is available again following suspension so they should be stronger than last weekend um, and yeah they tend to deliver against the, the lesser teams in the Premier League um, I know that most of these matches will have taken place with a stronger squad than they have this weekend but four, four wins seven draws and one defeat against teams in eighth and below unbeaten in five three wins against the bottom half at home as well um so yeah, I, I quite like Leeds, but I am going to take the slight insurance of um, the Asian handicap approach by backing Leeds minus a quarter, uh, 1.77. It just means if the game ends in a draw, we only lose half of our stake um, because I do expect Newcastle to probably get close to scoring. I know they've only scored six away goals all season and 70% of their goal tally has come at St. James's Park, but Leeds are, are not exactly the kind of team you want to rely on defensively either. Uh, but ultimately, Newcastle, just the one clean sheet, just the one win all season. If you fancy Leeds to score, it's unlikely they're are going to lose so um, yeah it just kind of covers the draw there so back in Leeds minus a quarter um, just haven't been impressed with Newcastle in the matches that really matter against Burnley Norwich and Watford um, and I think Leeds are buzzing at the moment we saw in their last two performances they're scoring goals playing much like their old selves and um, you know coming off for four weeks um, rest after last weekend will be a big bonus too as we saw in the performance at West Ham 
And just to set your minds at rest, when Mark talks about Bielsa being revealing in press conferences, he's talking about information, <laughs> not clothing. I think that's an image that none of us need. Uh, Jake, this is about faith in coaches, isn't it? Because it would have been very easy for Leeds to pull the trigger when they were having a really bad run of results. It looked like they might get sucked into the relegation battle. And I know that the teams at the bottom being so bad has kind of helped Leeds a lot. But if you have faith in the model, if you have faith in the fact that Bielsa will get them through eventually, that eventually pays off. It does, yeah. And, and it's something that we don't usually see this day and age is coaches being given time uh, and backing and confidence. And I think the higher-ups at Leeds obviously looked at the situation. They saw the poor run of form. They saw the poor underlying numbers, but they also saw that the squad and first team was completely depleted. So it was trying to manage uh, a football team with his hands tied behind his back without you know, five, six, seven of his best players. Um, so the fact that they have pulled somewhat clear of the relegation zone is credit, you know, deserves credit just for that in itself. And what we have seen, as Mark said, is a slight upturn in terms of underlying performance, particularly at Ellen Road. So, you know, they were really good at West Ham last weekend. They created a lot of good chances, but at Ellen Road, they've actually only lost the XG battle in one of the last seven uh, home matches. That was against Arsenal, in which you could argue was actually their weakest starting eleven of the entire season. So uh, a lot of positives for them to take in this game. Um, with that home form, with that home crowd that will be there. And they're also playing Newcastle, who are statistically the worst team in the division. Um, you know, they dropped a place in the table last week and they're actually getting closer to where they deserve to be based on expected goals, which is 20th. Um, since Eddie Howe's appointment, Newcastle have generated just 1.1 expected goals for per game and allowed 2.08 expected goals against per game. They are the seventh worst and third worst, respectively. Uh, and those numbers have, in fact, got slightly worse than what they were under Steve Bruce. So, you know, there's been no improvement from a statistical standpoint since appointing Eddie Howe. New signings will obviously take some time to settle in and hope they'll hope that they have at the impact uh, that they want in terms of the likes of Chris Wood and Kieran Trippier. But um, there's not a lot to like about Newcastle heading into this game at all. Uh, I expect it to be an open clash, an open contest. Leeds usually like to play in that manner, so I'm expecting it to be high scoring. But ultimately, the bet I landed on was just Leeds to win. I think the price of around 2.02 on the exchange is just a tad too big. I'd have them a little bit close to around 1.95 to win the game. Um, I think there is a bit of a gulf here. And again, as we said, putting distance between themselves and the relegation zone, another great opportunity to do that. Now, there's no reunion between Steven Gerrard and his old Liverpool boss, Rafa Benitez, as the Spaniard has been dismissed by Everton. Goodison Park, the venue for this one. Everton against Aston Villa and Stinch. Everton really are in a hole. It's a difficult one with Benitez, isn't it? Because he is an established manager with a great track record, but there was always going to be some pushback from Everton fans against a legendary Liverpool boss. And... The whole culture is wrong, isn't it? There's been too much money spent on average players. There's no real direction at the top. Marcel Brandt, the sporting director, has gone. We don't really know what the structure is going to be. And until they sort that out, it doesn't really matter who the manager is, does it? No, probably not. I saw an interesting uh, article about whether... Graham Potter would be tempted to leave Brighton for for Everton and somebody made a good point that sometimes maybe managers don't choose the club they choose who the chairman is and yes and I think obviously we all know the model at Brighton we all know the way they think and understand football and how football's evolving whereas Everton is just 
complete opposite, um, almost zero understanding from the owner in terms of how to approach running a football club, how to approach buying players, etc. So, yeah, I think they're, they they need they need a sort of a, a head of football really or a head of operations I think and some and I would argue you'd want to get that person and the manager at the same time to that yeah. are going to work in tandem because um, you know you, not only you uh, last weekend Everton fans were chanting about Rafa out they're also chanting about the board as well so they're obviously very fed up um, I think they might get a bit of a lift this weekend with their with their man Ferguson in charge um, but I do think you know that Goodison Park the crowd are very quick to turn so if it starts badly um, it could get even worse um, yeah so looking at the game like Villa are slight faves at six to four and I, I quite fancy getting Villa on side really I mean spoken um, I think at the beginning of, of Gerard's appointment uh, and this is obviously I'm obviously a Liverpool fan but this is completely unbiased you know you only have to look at the job he did at Rangers to, to in my mind to, to see that I do think he, he will do a very good job I mean imagine we look at it now going into Rangers and trying to wrestle back the title from Celtic it almost seemed like an impossible task and he did it in what two seasons three seasons like very very quickly he also made them a very good force in Europe taking them to the knockout stages yeah they were terrific in Europe especially at Ibrox they were really really good yeah and even if you like disagree with some of the things I'm saying the closing price doesn't lie and the the closing price compared to when he took over to when he left was a there was a huge swing absolute massive swing so and and that's the be all and end all as far as I'm concerned because everything everything good that Rangers do is built into that into that closing price so and I'm, I'm quite pleased with this how he started at Villa um, I think you only have to look at the the games against United both games over the past week to see that they've probably that they probably deserve to win maybe both, but at least one, I would say. And they've come away with a, a loss and, you know, scraped a draw, if, if you like. So, um, yeah, very happy with what they're doing. I was, I've been impressed with them against the, the elite, if you like. Uh, I, I think um, against Man City and Liverpool, I think they gave both teams a game. More so Man City, I think Liverpool, they probably... Um, they expected Liverpool maybe to have scored a bit earlier, so they, that's why they didn't come out. But in the end of that game, I felt Liverpool were kind of hanging on to that 1-0 lead, which is kind of unlike Liverpool, especially this season, been very free-scoring. Um, so yeah, I've been very impressed with Villa, and I'm, I say I'm not surprised. So I've just been kind of waiting for an opportunity to get involved with Villa, and I, I'm, I'm happy to to take them this weekend. And, and the route I'm actually going down, I'm going to back Villa to score over 1.5 goals because the same same price or similar price to them to win the match. I just feel like um, if you're backing if you're backing them to win, I just don't think you know they're not uh, a team that you want to you'd expect maybe just to win one nil I'm happy to the way I see Gerard playing football is you know the, the template that, that I kind of refer back to with, with Man City not maybe in terms of the same exactly the same um, efficiency but you know not the t- sort of team that will take the lead and then sit back I do expect them to try and push on and you know get get another game and get get another goal sorry and get the game wrapped up and control the game I mean you take away the matches they've played against 
City, Liverpool and Chelsea. And they've scored at least two in five of those six in the Premier League. And I know it's a different manager that's coming in, but we've already spoke about, don't think things are all of a sudden going to change for Everton. Um, they've conceded two or more in seven of their last 11. They've got the fifth worst defence in the league. They've conceded nearly two a game at 34 in their 19 matches. I think confidence is really low. It's just one win in 13, losing nine. And that win came against Arsenal. And obviously that was a very, very late show. So not really a sort of sustainable way to win football. Uh, Villa won the reverse fixture 3-0. So don't think it's going to hold any um, you know problems in terms of being scared of, of going to this Everton team. Um, but I think it's worth noting that um, Duncan Ferguson's previous reign, he was in charge for three games against Chelsea, United and Arsenal. And they actually unbeaten Everton. They scored four and only conceded two. So I think that is worth noting because obviously only three games is a very small spread, but against very good opposition. But it might give us a, an insight into how he, he'll set up because actually in those three games, they conceded 45 shots. Uh, so obviously an average of 15 per game. So I think it might be a, a sort of backs to the walls job uh, again against a Villa team that I think with the addition of, of Coutinho, Buendia seems to be hitting a bit of form. You've always got goals in Watkins and Ings. I think it is going to be a defence first job. Um, you know, conceding 15 shots per game. Long term, you're not going to be keeping clean sheets there. Uh, and Villa so far have, have averaged at 11 under Gerrard. And that's included in the games against the big three. So it's above what Villa uh, have been posting. So I expect I expect Villa to, you know, get... If, if Everton do set up defence first, I do expect Villa to, to get chances. And when the odds come out, probably worth having a look at uh, Lucas Dean to get booked on his return. He got booked on his debut last <laughs> week. And I don't think he left in the best possible way. No, I think that's fair to say. Uh, worth bearing in mind our fantastic multiples offers running every day. Bet £20 on multiples or bet builders and receive a £5 free bet to use on multiples or bet builders. T's and C's apply. The runaway lead leaders, Manchester City, go to Southampton. They did drop points in the reverse fixture. Jake, is that going to happen again? It's highly unlikely. Um, City are just on a, a bit of a roll, aren't they? As we've seen that they can get on over the last few seasons. Um, winning games very convincingly, uh, but as we've discussed numerous times on this show, they're not winning games in, in romps. Uh, they're, they're being very efficient in the way they're doing it, and I expect something similar here. So It's all happening this week. We've got Marcelo Bielsa being revealing. We've got romps going on. What's going on in this show? Honestly. I should uh, try and keep it clean for the rest of the show. <laughs> Carry on, Jake. Okay. Um, <laughs> you throw me off there. It's a work event. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, work event. Anything goes. So getting back on track, yeah. So they win things very... They win these matches very uh, efficiently. They don't go out there and absolutely, you know, blow the doors off teams. Um, and Southampton, while they have been on a decent run of form of late, they have looked very vulnerable defensively, which is something that obviously City will be looking to exploit. Um but defensively, Manchester City are just extraordinary. Uh, they've only conceded more than one expected goal against in a single game in one of the last 13 league matches. Uh, and they're obviously their average this season's below 0.7 expected goals against per game. Limited Chelsea to just 0.43 expected goals against per game. Uh, last, last weekend, sorry. And 
I was tempted to go with Manchester City to win to nil, which I think is around the five to four mark. But in the last few away games, they have been conceding a few goals and a few chances. So a slightly safer play for me, Manchester City to win under three and a half goals, which obviously allows us for for a 2-1 win for Manchester City, um, as well as a 2-0 and a 1-0. And I'm quite happy that it's it's around six to five. It's the podcast staple and I'm quite confident that City will be able to win this very, very comfortably. Yeah, I'm always uh, slightly wary about backing a team to uh, keep a clean sheet against Southampton because James Ward-Prowse could probably score a free kick from the moon, I imagine, uh, to (laughs) Italy and a potentially explosive clash between Lazio and Atalanta. Mark, feels like this one's got goals in it, but you never know, Atalanta drew nil-nil with Inter the other night. Yeah, it was uh, very disappointing for the neutral, um, particularly me. I put a decent amount of money on some goals in that game, but um, <laughs> there we go. Yeah, I mean, the game, I think Inter went to Bergamo uh, to try to nullify Atalanta. They knew it was a key game in the title race. They're in a really solid position. Don't lose any ground to one of your potential rivals. Did a reasonable job nullifying Atalanta, but there were plenty of chances in the game. It must be said, it wasn't just a complete bore, nil-nil. So I'm willing to kind of write that off and not read too much into it and just focus on the match in hand um, this is Saturday night at the Olimpico Lazio against Atalanta uh, it's hard not to expect goals in this game we've got two coaches cut from a similar cloth in Maurizio Sarri and Giampiero Gasparini both will fancy their chances of putting on a decent show um, Lazio have been reasonably troubled this season but the majority of their strongest performances have come in Rome uh, they've scored at least three goals on seven occasions uh, at home so far this season in Serie A they're averaging 2.8 goals per game at home uh, they also handed Inter their only defeat of the season at the Olympico as well. So they are very capable. Uh, they've got pretty much a, a, um, a fully fit forward line. I think there's only a slight doubt over Pedro, but defensively, uh, Francesco Acerbi is still missing. He's still injured. Now, he is absolutely the, the linchpin of that defence, which uh, is a pretty poor back line, it must be said. Uh, they do ship goals quite comfortably, but he is key and he's not available. So uh, Atalanta should be licking their lips and they've been absolutely exceptional away from home so far this season. They've dropped points just twice in 11 away games, nine wins uh, and two draws. It's the best away record in, in Europe's major leagues in terms of points per game. Uh, they've scored twice or more in eight of those 11 away days, averaging 2.36 goals. So you kind of combine the two. It should be good fun. It should be exciting. There should be plenty of goals. Um, and I've just tallied together the, the two teams' home and away records and, and found that uh, 16 of 21 games have featured over two and a half goals. 12 of those went over three and a half and 15 of those featured both teams scoring. The average goals per game in those 21 games comes in at 3.88, which is obviously sky high. Both teams are kind of hitting around a 70% hit rate for the BTTS so far this season domestically and uh, 10 of Atalanta's 12 against the top 12 have also gone over two and a half goals so yeah I mean um, all season basically the, the goal lines have been set a little bit shy uh, of where I would expect them to be in Syria that's down to basically the, the expected goals um, basically being a lot short shyer than the um, actual goals output uh, but that's been the case in Italy for a few seasons now and I think uh, as punters we can take advantage of that difference um, so here we've got over two and three quarter goals uh, displayed as over two and a half slash three on the Asian goal line uh, on Betfair Exchange and it's 1.8 which really does appeal basically we get a a half stakes winner if there's uh, exactly three goals a full stakes winner if there's four goals or more Uh, and the only way we don't make money is if there's two goals or fewer Um, I'd be surprised if this game doesn't deliver 
Stinch, is that the way you see it too? You talk a lot about sustainable edges and I'm guessing, given what Mark's been saying about where the goal lines are set in Serie A, presumably that's been a sustainable source of income, being able to back goals. No, I completely disagree. I'm taking under 2.5 at 5 to 4. Yeah, nil-nil. Correct score. (laughs) No, no, you're right. You're right. Uh, I've actually gone for like a different sort of angle here to Mark, but it's it's obviously on the very similar lines. It's uh, over two and a half goals and both teams will score 8 to 11 on the sports book. So very similar bet, very very similar odds. So I guess it just comes down to kind of personal preference, which one you prefer, mainly because basically over two and a half goals is a four to seven. So the bet Mark mentioned, I think says like 1.8. So obviously you're getting quite a nice boost there with with uh, with the security of um you know sorry with um still getting paid out uh, a half your stake if you get the three goals and um yeah i'm just basically saying that i don't think either team's going to keep a clean sheet essentially and getting a, a nice enhancement i feel from the four to seven to to around about eight to eleven um just sort of looked at sort of the sort of simple stats um 10 of uh, Lazio's last 15 would have seen this bet win 12 of the last 17 for atalanta um the reverse game finished 2-2 uh, I just, I just think, even if we didn't give you any statistics, I don't think anybody would envisage a different sort of game. I know what you said about the the game last week with Atalanta v Inter, but I just think that's a different type of game. And as Mark said, Inter kind of set up in a, in a different style. And Handanovic played really well, to be fair. Yeah. I thought. And Musso um, actually, yeah, yeah. Both so, goalkeepers look good. So I just think, um, you know, that's obviously uh, Inter, you know, going for the title. Whereas I think these two teams are both n- not at that at that position at the moment so it won't be a case of you know going somewhere and think oh, I'll be happy with a point uh, Mark's mentioned Atalanta's really good away record and to be fair when these two meet there's there is normally goals the last eight meetings have seen a whopping 34 goals which is over four a game and only once has a side failed to score and that was in the Coppa Italia final in 2019 so I think that's a little bit of a caveat because that was a, a final yeah. Um, I also thought another bet, which is worth mentioning, which Mark put up um, when Atalanta played Villarreal, which is both teams to score over 1.5 goals. It's three to one. I think that's another sort of nice angle because if we're cheering on over 2.5 and both teams score and over 2.75, we're saying we think it might be 2-1. But I don't think it's a, a huge push to go from those odds to we saying at one point we might think it might be 2-2. Um, so to go from you know odds on to three to one for another goal for the team that's in deficit, I think is a, another nice looking price. It's one in eleven of Atalanta's games, so it just goes to show how often it does happen when it involves them. And I thought just from an interesting standpoint, Lazio undefeated in twenty two of the last twenty three home games, and Atalanta undefeated in the last seventeen away. So I think if there's any point that either of the teams, either of these teams are behind, we can be confident that they will go for it and try and get that. Uh, goal to get back on on level terms at least so yeah I think Saturday night should be really fun with this game Stinks you've um, got oh Mark carry on I love that three to one I just had a quick look it's it's one in four of Atalanta's eight games against the top eight and the top eight are kind of breakaway in in Serie A Lazio in eighth at the moment so all the teams above them pretty decent going forward and it's one in four of those eight games so yeah I really like the three to one I love it when they get excited about each other's bets. That's always a good sign. Uh, Stinch, you've got another Serie A game for us. 
Yes, this is Friday night. I'm hoping for sort of goals again, really. You've already sort of touched upon Serie A, so just kind of give a, a bit of an overview. So Serie A this season averaging 3.07 goals per game. Last season was 3.06 and the season before that was 3.04. So it's nothing new. But as Mark says, I think we can still take advantage of, of spots here and there. Um, so over two and a half goals between Verona and Bologna is chalked up at four to five. We look at the average odds across all of Serie A this weekend for overs and it's four to six so you can see why we'd be interested when odds are available at four to five um if we kind of use the sort of 3.07 um average this season as as our goal input it would give us odds of four to six so again you can see why i'd be interested at four to five and yeah well, i've t- talked about verona on the podcast before they have just been crazy 16 of their 22 games have gone over two and a half so that's 73 percent and there have been 10 of the last 12 have gone over 2.5 when they played at home and, and Bologna away from home have been have been very good as well for overs backers 11 of their 16 have gone over two and a half and this one also finished 2-2 uh, in the same match uh, at the back end of last season so when we get an odds of four to five you know as I say we're looking around you know that's sort of 56% chance we're saying yet yeah, we're looking at you know when we look at these two teams independently we're seeing that that happens you know closer to 70% of the time so again yeah I'm hoping to get off to a good start this weekend on Friday night with a with a goals based bet in Syria I think arguably you could kind of blindly back overs when you get in odds that are that are closer to evens than they are to four to six but uh, you know it is always it does always pay to look a bit closer and you know that's our job and luckily for you guys at home, you don't have to blindly back anything because you can just listen to this lot and make the informed choices. Now it's time for the world famous podcast treble, a feature that's so popular that legendary moonwalker Neil Armstrong's actual quote when he first set foot on the moon was, this is one small step for man, one giant leap for mankind. Does anyone know what the Burnley score was? <laughs> now, the way this works, and just for the lawyers, oh, he won't care about that. Don't worry. It's fine. Um, just for the, uh, just so you know how this works, each of the three guys have a selection and our lovely traders wrap them up for you in a boosted treble. We've had a few disrupted by postponements and what have you of late. I am going to start with Jake, seeing as he's had a bit of a rest. He's back with us. He gets to start. Okay, uh, I'll go with the one I've already discussed, Leeds to beat Newcastle. I think they'll prove too strong their form uh, and pro- XG process at home has been really good this season and Newcastle look uh, a little bit vulnerable defensively, so Leeds to win will get thrown in there. Stinch, what have we got for us? I'm going to go for over 2.5 goals in Leicester v Brighton because Leicester, as anybody would have seen on Wednesday night, are mental. <laughs> and it's now 26 of the last 34 have gone over 2.5, which is 76%. So being able to get 10 to 11 is very generous, I think. And that is the official analytical betting term. And Mark, <laughs> bring us home. Uh, I will take both teams to score when Man United play West Ham. Uh, United have only kept four clean sheets all season in the Premier League and uh, only one of those came at Old Trafford. Uh, West Ham just five clean sheets themselves. So uh, I think they get Thomas Suchek back this weekend as well, which gives that midfield much more balance. Uh, I think going forward, as Jake's already demonstrated, they're uh, very dangerous at the moment too. So I think they can cause United a few problems, but I do expect both teams to score. 
Super stuff. That's all we have time for on this edition of Football Only Better. Please do remember to gamble responsibly. Loads of good podcasts for you to listen to on the Betfair network. We've got NFL Only Better, the playoffs well and truly underway. Some great games uh, this weekend. We've also got two racing shows, the Wade In Podcast and Racing Only Better. Uh, we've also got a new show for you as well, which has a look towards uh, the Cheltenham Festival. We've got Cricket Only better and on our website betting.betfair.com there's a really good politics section uh, which has just started up uh, with uh, regular input uh, about uh, the comings and goings at Westminster and of those there are many Uh, from Jake from Mark from Stinch and from me it's goodbye for now